We've made it to the third installment of our Stronger Together mini-series. In this episode, we're joined by researchers, threat analysts, and C-suites, including Katie Nichols from Red Canary and the Sands Institute, Don Jeter from Torque, Ben April from Maltigo, Leslie Carhart from Dragos, and Jeff Stout from Akamai. This is again exciting for me on a personal level because these are people I've been following on social media and it's fantastic to be able to meet them in person for the first time. We have some great conversations on the pros and cons of AI, protecting industrial control systems, imposter syndrome, and more. The Stronger Together miniseries by Breaking Badness is next. joined by Katie Nichols on the podcast before, and we'll link to that episode in our show notes if you want to go back and check that out. But we were lucky enough to catch up with her at RSA, where we discuss her work with the Sands Institute, what she's finding concerning in the industry right now, and conversely, what she's excited about, and some of the work she does with the Cyber Jutsu Girls Academy. She does provide some practical RSA advice of, if you want a t-shirt, you need to get it early, And I can personally attest to that. Our conversation with Katie Nichols starts now. All right, Breaking Badness, we are live at RSA uh, from our booth, uh, 6370 in the North Hall. Uh, I'm Callie Fensel, Callie, not the Linux Fensel, talking with Katie, like the Nichols, Nichols. I thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's exciting to be here as RSA is just kicking off on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe just for people that might not be, you know, aware of who you are, um, can you just, you know, provide your title and where you're from? Of course. I'm Katie Nichols. Um, I'm, I like the coins on Twitter. Yeah. Help people remember my last name, how to spell it. Yeah. Um, so I'm the director of intelligence operations at Red Canary. We do manage detection and response. And I'm also an instructor for the Sands Institute, uh, teaching their cyber threat intelligence course. Yeah, I was actually looking at that. You know, before we started talking, I was like, I, sh- I need to learn a little bit more about uh, Katie before she gets here. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like teaching for SANS? It is such an honor and privilege, honestly. Yeah. I've been teaching for a little over three years now, and they kind of recruited me in, and they're like, oh, you could do this. And I'm like, never. You know, I th- when I first uh, started in cybersecurity over a decade ago, I took a SANS course, and I was like, I could never do that. And then it's weird how over the years you just like learn more and more, and yeah. then you're a quote, experts. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, I think that until you teach a topic, you maybe don't understand it as well as you thought you did. So I think that's what's so fun is, you know, just really deeply diving into all the concepts around cyber threat intelligence and just being able to share that knowledge. And, you know, through sharing that knowledge, I think you come to a deeper understanding. Um, And it's just always fun because the students are always different. They always have great questions or different perspectives I'd never thought of. So okay. it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I just thought you have like you have courses coming up. Can people still sign up for those? Or yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm next next teaching in Denver in June, um, and then in Washington D.C. in July, I believe. So okay, yep. Sign up online. Um, I also do if Sans course isn't in your uh, in your budget, perhaps I also do a free uh, live stream every month. Uh, I skipped this month because RSA craziness. Yeah. Um, called the Sans Threat Analysis Rundown. Okay. So it's an hour every month. I talk to different guests about cyber threats and um yeah that's a lot of fun too and that's free yep totally nice. free i like free things you know you balance there's a role for paid training yeah. and there's a role for free things too. i like i like some free things yeah yes. so uh how many rsas have you been to i think this is maybe the fourth or fifth something like that okay. um i first came when i was in the miter attack team which was a lot of fun a couple years ago and then now with red canary and sands so i get to wear two hats um and it's just a lot of fun reconnecting with people that maybe I only see once a year. Yeah. And just, you know, for me, it's always interesting to see what cyber threats people are talking about. Okay. And if they're interesting solutions to try to better catch them or mitigate yeah. them. Okay. What's concerning you, you know, in the space? One of the things that's really concerning me is adversaries getting a little bit better at bypassing the things they know defenders do. 
you know, like a great example this year, we've seen uh, different fishing patterns based on adversaries responding to mark of the web changes in macros, right? So Microsoft rolls out, hey, now macros are disabled by default from the internet. And so adversaries are like, cool, we'll switch to a different file type in emails like ISOs. And yeah. so it's really interesting to me to just watch those shifts, how adversaries are kind of watching what defenders are doing and then changing up what they do. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We've talked about macros a little bit on the podcast before. I'm going to have to go back and pull that episode to put that in our show notes for people. Yeah. So, so what are, are you speaking at RSA? Like, what, how can yeah. people connect with you here? Yep, I have a couple small booth talks, the Red Canary booth. Uh, it's the first row in the, the opposite hall to this one, the South Hall, I believe. RSA yeah. geography is hard. Yeah. And then I have two keynote panels on Wednesday, which will be fun. Okay. Um, sharing the stage with some really brilliant folks. The first one in the morning is actually going to be moderated by Lily Hay Newman from Wired, who's one of my favorite journalists. Okay. And then joining Leslie Carhart and Wendy Whitmore talking about um, real-world stories of incident response and threat intelligence. So, you know, a panel where we talk about our collective experiences, you know, Leslie's expert in industrial control systems, Wendy's been doing this for years, now at uh, Palo Alto. So talking about some of the lessons learned, some interesting stories from incidents we've been a part of. Okay. You know, we had a brainstorming call and we're going to see how much we can fit in, right? Supply chain at the top of our list, ransomware, right? Maybe state-sponsored incidents. So a lot to talk about there. That's fantastic. So usually our episodes come out on Wednesdays. Yeah, um, no worries. Yeah, so... You can catch the recording. Perfect. I was just going to ask that. So if people wanted to catch these and this comes out on Wednesday after the talk, how can they do that? So perfect. Recordings. Yep. yep. The morning one will be recorded. And then the afternoon, depending on what time this comes out in the afternoon, I'm doing an annual panel that with my fellow SANS instructors okay. on the five most dangerous new attack techniques. So okay. that's a lot of fun. I can't say right now, in case this comes out before, <laughs> I can't reveal mine, but I can say yes. there, there are different initial access techniques, right? How are adversaries getting into networks? So... I'm choosing two, and then some of my colleagues have some more forward-looking um, AI-related techniques, not no. to reveal too much. No, so. that's perfect. People would like a teaser. Yeah, yeah exactly. get excited for it. Yeah. So you've been instrumental in the SANS reports that come out as well. It, when, when does the new one come out? Do you have an idea of that yet? Um, so I'm involved in the SANS CTI survey, which okay. is okay. one. Yep, it's an annual report. So that's coming out, I think it's in June or July. So we're okay. actively working on that kind of fun. We got almost a thousand respondents this year Perfect. about what cyber threat intelligence teams are doing, right? the kind of tools they're doing, how are they figuring out their requirements. Um, so that's the big one that I'm involved with this okay. year. Um, so we kind of take those, you know, myself and my colleague, um, Rebecca, we look at all the findings and, and think about what does it mean for the cyber threat intelligence industry okay. and those teams. So that'll be coming out this summer. Okay. Are you able to talk about like what goes into those surveys and reports, like the level of work and commitment to ha- yeah. how those come to be? Yeah, so there are various surveys throughout the year on all kinds of different topics, um, right? And they're meant to be sort of somewhat of a neutral look at different spaces. So okay. um, myself and Rebecca, she's uh, one of the authors for the SANS course I teach. Um, you know, we come up with different questions. Like this year, we talked a little bit. We asked teams about how did the war in Ukraine change their focus yeah. as a CTI analyst? And so we came up with those questions. And then we send it out and we just kind of ask people, please take this. You know, it's pretty detailed. There are probably yeah. 30 different questions. Um, and so I think you can win something cool if you if you get a drawing. But luckily, we got almost a 1,000 people, which is the most we've ever had. And it's just really cool because... Right in aggregate, it gives people a chance to kind of compare to what others are doing, and yeah. you know, think about maybe are there areas that my CTI team should cover yeah. right, that I haven't. Yeah. So, but having a thousand respondents seems like pretty significant. Like I think that speaks to you know the the reputation and respect that Sans has. Yeah, yeah. I think a thousand is like where you start to get actually statistically significant, not yes. a not a statistician, but. Yeah, it's been really neat, and I think that's one of the fun things about about SANS is, you know, not just teaching in the classroom, but the ability to, you know, help share reports like the survey or do the live stream, right? Just really as a kind of a cybersecurity voice in the community, sharing all this content for others. Well, as somebody who's very well-respected in the community, you know, people are looking at you as, as like a role model. When you're at RSA, what are the things that you would recommend for, for somebody to definitely check out? Of course, your stuff is perfect, but, you know, what what else are you looking forward to at RSA? 
Yeah, you know, I think the thing I would encourage, especially people who are more experienced in security, is to try to go out of your way to connect with anyone who's newer or who maybe comes from a different background who doesn't look like you. Um, I was just at a really neat uh, women's lunch that Microsoft sponsored and chatted with someone who right out of school is her first job in government. And I was like, let me connect with you. You know, I used to work in government. We're from the same area. You know, I'd love to stay in touch. And so, you know, I think... It's easy to sort of lose the sight, you know, sight of what's what's important and connecting and networking and you know, it is a sales conference and marketing and right yeah. there are a lot of great products there, but I would encourage people think about right connecting, especially with people who are newer in their careers. Yeah. And thinking about, hey, a conversation you have, a little piece of advice, connecting with them afterwards could really inspire them. And I know there are lots of students as well. And just to pivot a little bit, when you mentioned, you know, the the women's luncheon, um, I had read that you also are in, would you call it a mentorship program for young teen teen girls? Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I, was, I was interested in that specifically. Yeah, so um, I volunteer with an organization called the Cyber Jitsu Girls Academy. So I used to be program manager. I kind of stepped back, but still help out with their events. Um, so, for example, was it two weeks ago, they sponsored um, an event in Baltimore just bringing in teenagers, both young girls and boys, just getting them middle school, high school age excited about cybersecurity. Yeah. And so they do various events like that mostly in the D.C. area, but there are chapters around around the country. So, you know, we really want to try to bring in people who maybe aren't, you know, the traditional background in cybersecurity or who have never seen themselves in this profession. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's a huge way we can deal with the lack of employees in cybersecurity, right? Everyone has a hiring challenge. Well, let's build out our pipeline. Let's get especially young girls excited about yeah. cybersecurity early. So that's really what that nonprofit does. That's amazing. Like, yeah. What What are some of the responses, like, you've heard from, from young girls that are going through this program? Like, are there any sound bites that resonated with you? Yeah, I think it's just really neat to see, for example, we did like a a Python coding workshop and someone who was kind of intimidated and never coded before and they, you know, do their first hello world and, and they're like, their eyes light up and they're just so excited and our hope is that, you know, we're not going to make them an expert coder in, you know, a few hours, but that that sparks an interest. Yeah, right? absolutely. And that, you know, the other thing we hope is we try to bring in a lot of, you know, female instructors, like that they'll see someone who looks like them, right, in this field and say, oh, well, if Katie or if, you know, Christina can do this, maybe I can be in this field too. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. What's on the horizon for that program? Is there is there anything that we could plug right now for that? Or I actually don't know what's on the horizon because I've kind of st- taken a step back out of the leadership okay. role. But they're super active. The women's uh, equivalent. Um, it's Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. They have lots of different events. I think my colleague actually is just doing a reverse engineering workshop this weekend. So um, Women's cool. Society of Cyber Jitsu is the kind of uh, for professional women, the, the organization there. Awesome. Well, maybe we'll just do a couple of fun questions, and I, I'll sure. let you go back to your day. Any fun, practical advice for RSA? Like, other than, like, comfy shoes, where are the best snacks? Do you, like, what secrets have you learned in the three to five RSAs you've been to? I think the big one, if you want T-shirts, go early. Because <laughs> at the end, and you probably know this, right, it's going to be the sizes that no one wants, right? So especially yeah. if you're like a small or medium, get the T-shirts early. Um, I also, especially for introverts, which I'm an introvert, I really like people, but it tires me out. Like, go back. I usually find like 4 or 5 p.m. Just go back to your hotel room, take a break, because I find when there's too much stimulation and the expo floor is busy and it's great talking to people, but it's so easy to get burnt out and just exhausted, and that's no fun. So I recommend everyone take a break and just, like, lay in your hotel room in the dark alone quietly. That's awesome. I would probably do the same. That's very valuable advice (laughs) for me. You should do it. I'm sure, you know, we've talked about this on Breaking Badness before, because you were a guest before, but, you know, for anybody that might not listen to that episode, what what do you like to do for fun? Um, I like to bake quite a bit. I love chocolate, so I like baking cookies and cakes. Um, I also love just going on long walks outside uh, with my husband, just chilling, especially now it's beautiful spring. Um, I also do CrossFit now at home. Cool. How do you do CrossFit at home? 
I we got very a new carefully. house. Yeah, very carefully. <laughs> no, we got a new house a year or so ago, and so um, started building out a small gym. Okay. We have a rowing machine. It's very exciting. So if you're creative, right, you can make all kinds of equipment happen in, in creative ways in your home. So. Maybe I don't know fully what CrossFit is <laughs> because I'm just like, how do you do it at home? But High intensity movement. Okay. Right? Okay. So, so you can do that. We got some dumbbells, a rower, I don't know, a place to run and... You're good. Okay, cool. Is that, is that a newer hobby, or have you... I've been doing it for years, actually. Nice. Probably like eight or nine years now. So awesome. Yeah, cool. like stay active, feel good. Hey, and then you know, what's your favorite thing to make? When you say baking and cooking, what do you? What's your go-to? Chocolate chip cookies, always. Toll That's House. Classic. Toll House is a classic. Um, I think the key is don't over melt the butter, though, because yeah. then your cookies go flat. I like a little bit of salt on mine, too. Ooh, a little like, sea salt? Yeah, I can do that. Also I, delicious. It's not for everyone, but I like it. I think it's, so. it's a good addition. Got to make the cookies your own. Absolutely. Well, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by our booth and, and talk to us for a little bit on Breaking Badness. It's always great to you know get to talk to you. It's great to meet you in person. I've been following you on Twitter for a little bit, so it's great to meet you in person. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been fun. I was excited to meet Don, who is a fellow marketer uh, at the Torque booth at RSA. As you can imagine, or as you have experienced at RSA, uh, it's like drinking from a fire hose. So I'm lucky I got the time with Don that I did. Uh, so we talk a little bit about who Torque is, hyper automation, and what's in store for Torque for the remainder of the year. I am with Don Jeter of Torque. How are you, Don? Good. Thanks for having me. What do you do with Torque? I am the CMO at oh, Torque. Okay. And what does that entail on a daily basis? What's a day in your life? Trying to get everybody to understand what Torque is. <laughs> at the highest level, trying to generate awareness and demand for okay. the Torque product. Of course, of yep. course. And, and what is Torque? So Torque is a hyper-automation platform which is new positioning for us. I think that we're really excited about addressing some of the most pressing issues in security today. And some of those challenges that we're hearing about are related to the security talent shortage. So a lot of companies are having a really hard time finding, hiring security professionals just because there's not that many of them. And so that coupled with, there's so much complexity with the, the number of tools that teams have to manage, multi-cloud environments. There's a lot of complexity in IT, and we believe that automation is really the only way that companies are going to be able to survive and thrive, really. So, yeah, we're working to provide hyper-automation at scale. That's great. Yeah. Is this your first RSA? Uh, no, I came to an RSA years ago with Symantec, but it's okay. been a while. Okay. How does this one compare to the one you've been to before? It's bigger, I think, yeah, I think, and it sounds like every year it gets bigger. I think post-pandemic, too, there's a lot of pent-up demand, I think, to get out and get to get to events because a lot of business happens in person, and we haven't been able to do that in a long time. All right, so would you say this year you've been able to get out more and, and be in front of more people in person? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's, Perfect. And we've really enjoyed being able to, to talk to customers directly you know, have a booth again. So, yeah, it's yeah, exciting. for sure. Is there anything in the industry right now that, that you're really passionate about? Hyper-automation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I'm excited. I'm only, like, 75 days into this role. So I'm oh, very, my goodness. Yeah, I'm very excited to be working with this new team, building this brand, and trying to get the world to know about Torque. I think that we have under... 100 customers right now and so there's a big opportunity for us we think the total addressable market is massive yeah we're solving some challenges that i think some legacy players have yet to solve okay so yeah no it's, it's super exciting that is exciting well i know you're a busy person i don't want to take up too much of your time is there anything you want to plug before we end today hyper automation <laughs> no, yeah yeah super excited thanks for having me yeah thank you so much don we'll talk soon okay cool thanks I caught up with Ben April, CTO of Maltigo, who is no longer the only North American at Maltigo. Uh, we talk about the pros and cons of generative AI, his advice for newbies in the industry, and new releases for Maltigo. So we are talking, we're at officially day one of RSA, and I'm here with Ben April from Mar Maltigo. Ben, have you been on the podcast before? I don't think so. No? No. Oh my gosh. I haven't. Oh my gosh. Well, 
Welcome. Thank like, you. It's great to have you. It's great to, to steal some of your time. How busy are you? It's kind of crazy. Kind of jumping from meeting to meeting yeah. and trying to trying to check out the floor and. How many meetings would you say you have? Uh, I've probably got eight today. Oh, oh my goodness. That's a whole day. That's, uh, that, that's a pretty okay. solid day. So I there. recognize how lucky we are to talk to you at all. Anytime. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what, what do you do at Multigo? I'm the CTO there. Oh, my gosh. So I run the, uh, the technology team uh, and the, the product team. That's and, awesome. Uh, okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, are you still the only... North American. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Oh we started building out the uh, the North American presence. Uh, we've got probably somewhere between four and five people. Uh, we're hiring so fast, it's hard to keep track. That's great. But, uh, that's great. How often do you get to go to Multigo's headquarters? Uh, I am at Multigo's headquarters in Munich probably twice a month at this point. Are it's you kind, kidding it's me? kind of crazy, oh but I got a direct flight from home. It's 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 not as bad as it sounds. What's the work life balance like? You know, it's not bad. You know, the team and the culture is great. We have a lot of fun when we're there. You know, we're right in downtown Munich, so it's kind of a great place to hang out and visit when you're when you're not working. So, how many RSAs do you think you've been to? This is probably number four or five for me. Okay, you are taught. So yesterday, I talked to Chris Nelson, who said it's probably four or five for him. Okay. So okay, I was like. This is probably going to be his 10. No, okay. no, yeah, RSA, RSA came in kind of late. I started mainly doing like researcher and investigator conferences okay. uh, back when I started. So there are other events I've done 10 or 20 of, but oh RSA is relatively new. Okay, so, so I know it's day one. We've only been at this for like maybe an hour or two. What's the general feeling of the energy here. Kind of feels like we're back to pre-pandemic levels of, of activity and involvement. I haven't had enough chance to walk the floor to really get the vibe. I usually wander around and kind of find the buzzword of the show. Yeah. Uh, I haven't picked that out yet. Uh, you know, still seeing a lot of XDR from last year. Um, I'm really expecting to see a lot of the GPT and generative AI stuff, but I haven't haven't really dug in there yet. Literally. You know, just came down for the for the Multigo demo here okay. at the Domain Tools booth, and uh, I was going to start walking around and see what's going on. Yeah. What are what is the thing that you're most excited about for this particular RSA? I think it's probably the same with with all RSAs, which is really just reconnecting with people and uh, checking up on folks. That's awesome. What would you say is something right now in the industry that you're really either you're excited about or something that's concerning you? I can walk right down the middle of that, okay. which is I'm watching this generative AI stuff very closely. Okay. I think it's got tremendous potential, but I think it's also got some pretty unacknowledged risks. Okay. I think there are some interesting concerns with like copyright law. Right. You know, we're seeing you know the the, the cases where you know Getty Images is suing because generative image generators are coming up with things that look like they have a Getty Images tag. It's oh. like okay, so you trained this on our stuff. And we're not supposed to, we don't benefit from that somehow. You know, yeah. it, it, how do you define copyright in a post-generative AI world? And that's going to be interesting. I mean, we've got the you know, uh, GitHub Copilot, uh, which takes code from various sources and allow, you know, automatically pulls it into your code. Yeah. You know, and I'm looking for, what does that mean? Yeah. It's like a, a human being wrote this, but it was some other human being, and it's not attributed to them because it was all mashed into one big language model and now you're giving it to me, but is it really yours to give me? So it's an interesting, I, I don't know where this is gonna land. I expect we're gonna have a number of years of, of legal battles over this. I was just gonna ask you that. That's not something that can be solved. That's not something we're gonna solve this, quickly, no. Yeah, like if you had to guess, it's probably, a, total guess like how many years do you think that's going to take i i'm not a lawyer i don't play one on the internet i fully expect this to kind of make it to supreme court levels in probably multiple jurisdictions i expect different countries to have different takes on yeah. the answer to this and i think that's going to generate a whole nother set i mean it wouldn't shock me to see you know treaties about this stuff because like how do you okay copyright law works this way in this country and this way in this country it's okay in one jurisdiction and not okay in another if I'm in this jurisdiction where it's okay, can I use your content from a jurisdiction where it's not or not? How do you, what do you train with? I went cross-eyed during that because I knew it was a mess. And then when you're talking, I'm like, it's more of a mess than I thought. It's very, very appealing. It's very exciting. But I have not seen the evidence that people have thought all the way through the natural consequences. I think because people haven't thought through the consequences, does that mean it should have been 
introduce to the public? That might be a too big of a question. That's a, that's, a, that's a really big question. I would say the, things like this, these kind of you know breakout technologies that really almost go viral as a technology, really the only way to see where it goes. I don't think it would have generated the excitement it has if it hadn't kind of broken out out of the lab, so to speak. In, in business, we need to take a step back and look and say, okay, what, what's acceptable? What's, what is our policy going to be for how we handle this? And that's just, that's not something for this year. I, it is. And from a policy perspective, it's something I think we have to answer pretty quickly. Okay. Maybe the answer to that policy question is we'll get back to this in another year. I don't okay. know. So you mentioned that you're kind of in the middle. And so we talked a lot about, you know, the potential deficits. So what what's exciting to you about, you know, ChatGPT and AI? I mean, just the effort amplification, right? I can go write a job description that would take me an hour. I can ask ChatGPT for write me a job description for, you know, this role, and I've got a template. It's not what I want, but I, I'm not staring at a blank page anymore. I, I'm now editing and changing it to say what I want it to say. So that's incredibly powerful. That's incredibly enabling. It's got all those other questions associated with it. So, I mean, I think we're, we're looking at the technology ourselves. You know, how do we work it into our product? How do we do it responsibly? How do we do it in a way that ensures that, you know, one customer's prompt is never visible to another customer? Privacy aspect of that becomes interesting. What material do you feed it with? How do you, how do you get permission to use that to feed it? it, it it's a whole... Big question. It's interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting to check back in with you maybe six months, a year. Yeah. yeah, to talk about like, okay, so this is where we were. Yeah. Where where are we now? How has this progressed? So Ben, if so this is my first RSA. Really? Yeah. Wow. What what advice do you have for first timers? Uh my advice initially is kind of plan your day. Okay. Like plot out, you know, when you're gonna walk the floor, when you're gonna meet people. There are a lot of parties. Yeah. It's very easy to overload yourself on the various parties. And then you find yourself booking breakfast the next morning. And it's plan your day and figure out when you're going to sleep. Give time for yourself. Uh, give time as commercial and chaotic as it is. Walk the floor. The number of people, you know, I, I, like I said, I had you know eight or ten meetings today um, with people that I've arranged in advance. I've seen another five or six already, and it's 11 a.m., you know, of people that I wasn't expecting to see today. And, you know, we've chatted for five minutes. So kind of, you know, spend some time wandering the floor. One, you get to see what's going on in the world. And two, yeah. you, you run into a lot of people. Okay, that sounds good. What about advice you have for people newer in the industry? Like maybe this is also their first show, but, you know, like they're a new threat hunter. What general advice do you have for those people? If I were a newbie, I probably wouldn't necessarily start here at RSA. I would probably look for like a B-Sides okay. where there's going to be accessible content. It's okay. more focused on the content, learning learning the craft, learning the trade. Now, they've got some great talks here at RSA, so I mean, that's also a good place to spend your time is, okay. is learning what's going on. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise on the floor, the show floor, and picking out the signal and the things that are interesting and the people you actually, you know, need to get more from that. Uh, it takes a good footing in, in the craft you're trying to, trying to execute. Okay, great. Thanks, Ben. Thank um, you. Maybe we'll end it on this note. What, is there anything of from Maltigo, you want to plug? So we just released 4.4.0, and stay tuned for lots of cool stuff coming. Um, I've been with the company since September, so we're, we're really just starting to get things out the door since I started. And yeah, we've got some exciting stuff coming, but uh, stay awesome. tuned. Would you ever want to be on a full episode of this? Absolutely. Okay, I, it's on a recording now, so you have it, to it, it has been recorded. <laughs> You just have to track me down. I will. Well, thank you so much for taking the time that I know you're busy. I want you to get to your eight meetings, so thank you so much. Thank you. Leslie Carhart and I had a chance to meet in real life. I've been following them on social media for a while, and again, I cannot stress enough how fun it is to meet people in person at these events. Leslie discusses their work, which focuses on industrial control systems and poses questions we might not be thinking enough about. Like, what if our sewer system didn't work for a month? It's a very interesting conversation. I'm so excited to share with you all. Stay tuned. We 
Walker here at RSA with Leslie Carhart. Leslie, thank you so much for being on Breaking Badness. It's wonderful to be here. Thank have you, you. Have you been on Breaking Badness before? I haven't. Oh, okay. So you're at RSA. Is this your first RSA? It is not. This is my second year speaking, and uh, I don't know how many years going to RSA. Oh, my gosh. The average has been between four and five. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how does this compare to other RSAs you've been to? There was definitely a dip in attendance last year due to the pandemic, but yeah. uh, I think we're kind of back to the previous levels again. Okay, perfect. So can you tell our audience, if they're not familiar with you, like what, what do you do and, and what's your organization? Sure. My name's Leslie Carhart. I am an incident response and digital forensics professional. I've been doing that for about 15 years and specifically in the space of industrial control systems and critical infrastructure. So I've worked at a company called Dragos for the last five and a half years or so um, in incident response there. Previously, I worked at Motorola, I was in the Air Force, etc. But my job tends to be investigating intrusions of non-standard computing systems. So trains, planes, automobiles, uh, but more relevantly probably to the audience, things like power plants, water treatment plants, uh, manufacturing, uh, oil and gas, food and beverage, things like that. That's awesome. So what right now in the industry is something you're really passionate about that you'd love to share with people? It's not sexy RSA stuff, but just getting the fundamentals down. Yeah? Especially in the industrial space, which is very, very different from the rest of enterprise cybersecurity and usually has to be handled discreetly. There's a really big gap where people are jumping ahead to these whiz-bang, cool technologies that are out there right now and the flavor of the year of what's cool at RSA, and they're still missing basic foundational stuff. And maybe it's just my perspective because I see organizations after a crisis, after they've had an intrusion, after they're having their worst day ever, and I see how these intrusions happened, and so many of them are still coming from these really basic fundamental things. And incident response is impacted by them too, like not having good network maps, not doing segmentation, not having an asset inventory, not having a plan for incident response. So really my passion right now is trying to bring people, especially people in the industrial space, back to that foundational space. And can you elaborate a little bit more on how you would do that? A lot of it is just bringing awareness to what they don't have, which can be a very challenging and politically delicate thing to do. In the industrial space, a lot of times we do that, not with audits, but things like tabletop exercises and drills. Like, let's see what you would do if there was ransomware, not on your servers in your data center, not in the cloud, but on the, the devices that show the status of your industrial network that are connected to your PLCs, things like that. So what would happen if they had ransomware on them? Or let's talk about what if somebody who's a disgruntled insider decided to do something malicious to your process? How would you detect that? How would you do forensics to find out that it was that insider? How would you prove it? Yeah. Those are challenging questions for everyone. So sometimes when we pose a scenario and people are allowed to think through it themselves and see where it would break down, it, it lets them discover where they need to go back to the basics instead yeah. of me just yelling at them, you know? Yeah, so do you feel like maybe people are missing the fundamentals, just like they're sprinting at something else. And it's just, it's so difficult to make the time to think about the fundamentals because they're like, I already have that maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions. We make a lot of assumptions, especially about our level of maturity. Sometimes we're very critical of ourselves and sometimes we think we're leaps and bounds ahead of where we really are. Uh, but it's challenging. Building cybersecurity and defense in depth is really hard. There's so many different things to think about from clients to networks to infrastructure to people. We have to think about all those different layers of defense in depth and it's easy to miss, especially the things that are less glamorized and there's, there's less advertising around them. It's very challenging for security professionals. So would you say that the thing that you're most passionate about kind of intersects with the thing that you're most concerned about, probably? Or is there anything else that you'd like to, to talk about that concerns you within the industry? Yeah, so I work in the industrial space, and if you ask me what keeps me up at night, certain verticals in industrial space are troubling and concerning. The ones that are less resourced, that are very, very important to our society. So the resourcing for things that provide the services that we don't even think about, water, power, heating, cooling, transportation, just-in-time logistics, food. All those things rely on computing systems, on industrial systems, on things like PLCs, RTUs, things like that, SCADA. And we don't think about in our society often what it'd be like if they didn't work. So people don't pay a lot of attention to them. They don't spend a lot on cybersecurity in some of them. 
Now you have like your big well-resourced power companies and oil and gas companies. They they get a lot of cybersecurity resources. But your municipal sewage company, like we live in the United States. We're not used to the thought of what if our sewage didn't work for a month? Yeah. The health impacts of that, how horrible it would be for quality of life. Like we don't think about that stuff. So nobody really spends a lot of time and resources in like securing those those sewage treatment facilities or our water facilities. They're like little municipal organizations. They have one IT person. So if you ask most people in OT or industrial cybersecurity what keeps them up at night, a lot of us will say those things we don't think about in our society. It's really interesting that you say that because I'm from Ohio. I'm not from the area where the, the train derailment happened, but now that you say that, it's you know we don't think about things like that. But if we're not going to invest in our infrastructure and trains will derail and release you know poisons into our water systems, it's... It, it, it is becoming something that maybe we should be thinking about more often. Trains are big computers, too. Yeah. We pen test trains, which is a fascinating space to be in for our pen tester. Yeah, they're big computers now. There's, there's computers keeping them safe and from running into one another and going the right direction, things like that. That's all computers, just like cars today. And yeah, we don't notice that stuff, unfortunately, until something goes very, very wrong. And that's the space that I work in, which can be very challenging. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to pivot a little bit back to RSA, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, what has been the most exciting thing for you at this particular RSA? I have to say some of the events that are going on in tandem with RSA. So uh, the villages, okay. the villages are fascinating. Um, if you haven't ever taken the opportunity to leave the talks on the, the main floor of RSA and go to the villages, there is some fascinating stuff going on up there. You can learn how we do aircraft security. You can learn about IoT security. You can learn about red teaming. There's a lot of educational materials up there. So if you have a badge that allows you to go into the villages, they're incredibly well produced and they're they're really educational and a lot more relaxed than being on the main floor with the booths as well. Yeah. So in the expo, so um, that's worthwhile and that's that gets me really excited about the education potential for future generations there. And then also I was involved in the security scholars dinner that RSA organizes every year, which is for students, for, for college students in cybersecurity, where they get mentored by some of the top names in the field. I don't I don't know where they ask me there. I, I don't think that I'm as, as much of a luminary as some of the people that they invite there, but it's such a phenomenal experience for those students to meet all these gurus, these people who have been in cybersecurity for decades and have written books and are well known for creating technologies we use every day and that's so exciting to see them there seeing see that motivation and that mentorship happening that's awesome oh man i would love i would love to get get into the villages now that you're talking about it yes. wow that's so cool so maybe one last thing about you before we sign off what, what's something fun people should know about you I just tested for fourth degree black belt about a month ago, and Whoa. I passed my test. It was a big challenge and a big life accomplishment, and uh, yeah, I'm now a master martial artist teaching students. So. That is the coolest thing. Oh my gosh. Pretty fun. So you're fighting bad actors at, like online and then also mm, in person? <laughs> I, I'm mostly getting kicked in the, in the shin by small children, but I like doing that too. Oh my gosh, that sounds incredibly rewarding. That's so cool. Leslie, I, I know you, you're very short on time, so thank you so much for being here. Thank if you'd ever you. like to be uh, on a longer episode, we'd love to have you. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. All right, see you later. I love serendipitous moments, and meeting Jeff Stout of Akamai definitely falls into this category. I think uh, Akamai had the best booth at RSA because they had popsicles, which definitely hits the spot after you're kind of yell talking for a while. Um, so he gave me a popsicle and we got to talking and we scheduled some time for uh, podcasting right then and there, which is exciting. Um, he talks about the history of Akamai, uh, what he's most proud of during his tenure there, uh, what's concerning to him in the industry, and some great advice to keep people in the industry energized. Stay tuned. All right, this is day three. I think it's day three of RSA. It depends on who you ask, yes. uh, but it is the last day. And Thank I am, goodness. Yes, and I'm here with Jeff Stout from Akamai. Thank you so much for being here, Jeff. Good morning. Yeah, so what, what do you do at Akamai? So I'm part of what they call the Enterprise Security Architect Group. So we focus on any security solutions 
that focus around everything from DDoS to web application security, everything from client-side protections to API protection, so pretty much the entire gambit. Uh, my team really helps consult and interact with the customers and really just quantify and qualify whether or not this is something that they're looking for okay. and how we can help. Perfect. And right before we started recording, you were giving me a pretty cool background on the name of Certainly. Akamai because I was like, is it Akamai or Akamai? And I would love for you to share that again with listeners. Certainly. So yeah, a lot of people kind of have a different flavor of the name. Akamai is the proper way to say it. Gotcha. Uh, and That's the, how I will say it from now on. Exactly. And so the term itself actually comes from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. It's actually a Hawaiian slang term. Okay. It actually means clever, smart. And you know our founders had really an affinity with Hawaii and the islands and everything. So the name of the company actually comes from the Hawaiian Islands, from Akamai. I think that's really cool because it's better than being like, are you being flippant right now? Exactly. <laughs> and in Hawaii, that's yeah. kind of how yeah. they use it yeah. in, in certain circles. Akamai is a better name than flippant, for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. And you can't see it, but he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now. Kind of a subtle <laughs> nod. <laughs> absolutely. Perfect. So, Jeff, what is something you're really passionate about within the industry right now? Like, what, what's getting you really excited? Well, you know, to be honest, um, the industry, there's a lot of really cool things. Yeah. And really, it's about actually expanding things okay. back to the human element, yeah. right? That's the one thing that we forget about, right? Yeah. Um, we're always concerned about protecting our assets, our brands, our corporation, which is fantastic, right? And Akamai does a fantastic job helping with that. But kind of an ancillary benefit is a lot of this data that's out there, it's actually helping, in my personal passion, yeah. is around helping with the human trafficking efforts. Oh yeah. I'm based in San Diego, California, and it's actually one of the biggest places in the world where human labor is being trafficked through. I didn't know that, yes. wow. And so for me, what I do is my day job, I can actually take a lot of the intelligence, a lot of the insights and then bring that back into more of an open source forum um, but it's really what I'm able to see here at Akamai the whole breadth of everything um, at any given day we're seeing about 60% of the internet's traffic flows through Akamai oh, wow. so uh, okay. a lot of people Impressive. don't really understand who Akamai is and what we do but we've been around since 1998 oh. so we have a little bit of an unfair yeah. advantage quite a legacy. Yes, yes. So I haven't been there since the whole entire time. <laughs> I was just about to ask. Exactly. So I actually came to Akamai through an acquisition of a company called Prolexic Networks. Okay. Um, it was about almost 10 years ago today. And we were actually deja vu at RSA 2015. We had made the announcement that Akamai was buying Prolexic. Okay. And well, I'm back here nine years later and we just made another announcement this week that we are buying a company called Neosec. And Neosec's primary focus is around API security, mm -hmm. API vulnerabilities, and the ability to mitigate against nefarious, suspicious, bad API. So gotcha. um, it was one area that we needed to close the gap on, and so uh, we just made that announcement this week. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. So ten, 10 years with Akamai, mm -hmm. what, how, how has your role been changed or evolved? Um, you know, our team is fortunate. We actually get to take on new technologies um, anytime that we acquire a company or we're looking at additional uh, new IP within our own organization. Okay. Um, we become kind of the beta testers, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, we shop it around to customers to you know, generate interest, need. We also feed a lot of this back to our product team, feedback from the customers. You know, I, I ask the honest question, you know, yeah. please tell me, do you like the product? What about it do you like? Yeah. Is there something that we can change? How else would this benefit you? Yes. So I get a lot of feedback from customers to say we either we improve the UI, we improve the backend indexing, maybe a better database, maybe a better way to access that data. So I have a really cool job because I get to work with the customers. Yeah. I get to talk to the product guys and work with the engineering team to really help develop a better solution it's for our very customers. very holistic. Yes. Perfect. It's a little bit different approach. A lot of co companies have very siloed yeah. um, aspect where that's concerned. I think it's beneficial to have the same organization. So my team, we get to play with the really cool technology and then move on to the next thing yeah. and then to the next thing. So the last 10 years, I haven't done the same thing for 10 years, right? Uh, yeah, so it's been sure. radically different the last 10 years. So that's, that's what keeps me motivated and going. And awesome. another reason why you'll notice that a lot of people at Akamai, 
I'm actually not a senior person in Akamai. Okay. Most people have 15 to 20 years, <laughs> so, wow. which is unheard of in the tech industry. I so, know. I was yeah. just about to say that. That's incredible. Yeah. Most Usually it's three and done at most tech companies. Yeah. And so I appreciate that because I have a lot of mentors that I learn from. Yeah. And I've got a lot of junior guys that are up and coming. And I think they really value yeah. the fact that, you know, people have been here 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. So. What, do, what do you think it is that keeps people around for, for such long periods of time? I think the biggest thing is communication and yeah. people, right? Okay. The human factor, oftentimes we get, like I said earlier, we get lost in the technology. We're so hyper-focused on what we're doing around the intellectual property and how we can defend but we forget the human side um, where Akamai does it we do a really good job at making sure that we're taken care of we have a really good diversity inclusion program so it's not just one particular niche within the organization we want everyone to be included all the way down from somebody that's helping out from admin level to the senior vice presidents to the CEO um, and I think that makes a huge difference. A lot of people talk that. Yeah. You know, you hear about greenwashing. You hear about all these efforts. Yeah. Um, but we've actually, in my opinion, seen a huge impact. And I think it reflects. Um, you'll see we're always listed as one of the top employers in, in Cambridge. That's where our headquarters is. In Massachusetts? Yes. Okay. Yes. And another fun fact is our background is all MIT. Oh. So our founder um, was a professor at MIT. Okay. He is still an active professor that has an office on campus. That's so cool. So, you know, when we get to go out there, uh, we can actually check out the Cambridge campus. And we still have a strong, strong roots in education. Okay. It's a little bit different than a lot of these tech companies. So I think that that is also another key core yeah. because we have that education background. Yeah. It's a little different than uh, your traditional corporate environment. That's so cool. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for that glowing description. Based on all of this, what's the thing that you're most proud of that you've worked on? I would say one of the biggest things that I worked on was really identifying, it was actually a supply chain problem, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, We saw a lot of people trying to purchase goods and services, and what was happening is the bots were coming in and stealing the entire inventory. Right, And a lot of these folks thought that they were prepared for this. They were either using a legacy firewall, or maybe it was even an advanced next generation firewall, but they quickly found out that firewalls do not do a good job at defending against bots. And get some of the low hanging fruit, and I worked with a couple of different teams within my organization to say, hey, how can we solve this problem? And it wasn't just one entity, so we actually did it in a multi-pronged approach so that we were actually able to have goods and services available for actual human beings to buy. (laughs) And not just a bot to sell it on the dark net for three times the price. Um, And it wasn't just like video games and stuff like that. It was actually goods and services around medical stuff, right? Right. Stuff that was mission critical. Baby formula? Baby formula, stuff like that. There was a huge problem about two and a half years ago. I mean, the problem still exists, um, but I think Akamai has done a really good job um, we're actually soon to be launching another product okay. um, right around this thing. Uh, it's, it's around um, hyped events. Okay. So, you know, like when Taylor Swift shows up in town and yeah. all her tickets are gone like that. We want to get in front of that, right, to make sure that the, the people that are actually getting those tickets yeah. are humans, yes. not a bunch of scalpers, right. right? So, Can you get me Taylor Swift tickets? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> How much money you have? Uh, I don't know how much I'm willing to Exactly. Yeah. Some of these Swifties are a little crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that crazy about it, but, you know, I had to shoot my shot. Sure, so, sure, sure. So just to pivot a little bit, mm-hmm. what's something in the industry right now that's kind of concerning to you? Hmm, I would say concerning is just, it's overwhelming right now. There's so many people in the space and so many people saying the same thing. So it's very difficult sometimes to weed through some of the fluff and and to find out what is real. It's always about doing the research, asking the right questions, and listening to that response. A lot of people don't listen. And it's difficult in this environment because you're kind of being barked at and everything. So sometimes we just need to slow down. Slowing down. Because everything else in this industry is fast, 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 fast. Sometimes we just need to slow down, take a step back. Do you have any practical advice on how to slow down? Because I think it's, I think we all say, yeah, ideally we should slow mm-hmm, down, mm-hmm. but 
like how do we actually make steps to do that? Sure, for me personally, if, if it's something that you're either interested in as an individual or an organization, the biggest thing is to get outside yourself and look for mentor guidance or coaching, right? I coach a lot of people, I coach a, a various different groups, and once you make that commitment, it's easy to say, yes, I'm going to do it, but then actually executing and doing it. But if you have somebody else there, it's sort of holding you responsible or accountable. Yeah. That's the key. Maybe uncomfortable at first, but that accountability chain is absolutely key. Until you have your own self-discipline, until you have your own certain routine, yeah. 35 to 40 days is what it takes. Right, I've If you're that. consistent, 30 to 45 days, now it becomes a habit, right. right? And once it becomes a habit and you form that good habit, it's just like brushing your teeth, combing your hair in the morning. It's no longer a chore to do what you need to do. It's just part of your daily habit. But to get to that habit, it's discipline and work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I think that's great advice. Well, maybe just to wrap things up, as we are on the last day of RSA, how have you felt about the show? I loved it this year. The attendance yeah. was higher than it has been. I've you heard know? that. And it's nice to see the glowing faces. Um, just the response has been phenomenal. Uh, some of the keynotes this year were just over the top. You know, yeah. I think that everybody was here, not just for the vendors and getting yeah. into information, but the people who actually showed up at uh, the West Side. And yeah. Some of the speeches they gave, um, I think, were just so spot on. To kind of revive the industry to a little bit, That's you know, cool. things are kind of getting slower and slower. Yeah. So I'm I'm seeing a resurgence. I'm just really happy to see all my friends and yeah. my colleagues. You know, in per I'm, I'm everyone's kind of tired of the the Zoom headshots yeah. and, and to actually see a person. Yes. And, and we need human contact. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I think this is a fantastic event and a great takeaway. It's a bit overwhelming. A little. It's, a, it's like taking a sip off a fire hose. Yeah. Now, now you got a couple of days to kind of weed through all the spam. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's been great for me, too. I, I don't know if we talked about this yesterday when we initially met, but I'm newer to the industry, mm -hmm. about a year in, sure. a little bit of change. I'm glad I could be here meet people like yourself mm -hmm. and bond over the popsicles that you've had at your exactly. booth. <laughs> exactly. And we get to talk on breaking badness. Exactly. So is there anything you'd like to leave us with, Jeff? I would say, you know, stay curious, okay. right? Uh, don't paint yourself into a corner, right? There's so many things, so many different opportunities and just stay curious and okay. it's going to find you, right? And, and also another thing that I would say you know, it's coming up more and more is imposter syndrome. Yes. Right? I can so to that. many people feel underqualified or not qualified. And, you know, that's a little bit of human nature, right? And so, what I would say, like, it goes back to that stay curious, stay humble, stay hungry, yeah. right? And you may not always have the answers. None of us are always going to have every single answer. But that's why I feel it's not me, it's my team. And then when I'm surrounded by smart people, kind people, courageous, compassionate people, then a little bit of that imposter syndrome goes away. Because right. so, we're all here doing the same thing. Yeah, right? we've all got the same goals. Give, give bad actors more bad days. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for giving me some of your time, Jeff. Yes, I think this is a great talk. I'm excited to share it with our listeners. And maybe we'll be talking again in the future. Absolutely. That would be wonderful. That would be great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this installment of our mini-series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Down. Until then, remember, don't forget.